Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I appreciate you guys checking out this episode. appreciate you guys listening in through January here. I wanted to talk today about um, this uh, trip I'm on. I'm out by the coast, and I was uh, trying to do some stuff on the Pacific Ocean, some photo stuff out here this week. And I was kind of talking about packing up for it last week and uh, some of the the gear changes I was going to try and make. But uh, on this one, it's been a little bit more of a wet weather experience Some breaks and some nice uh, little snaps of uh, some blue skies and clear weather and stuff where I was able to get some some cool photos in and stuff, but uh, but I'm kind of tra- trying to travel travel down the highway 101 and uh, do some beach stopping stuff and do some beach combing too. It's kind of cool doing beach combing in the winter in January, December, January, February. I guess that's when some of the the bigger winter storms come in off the uh, the Pacific Ocean, and then they sort of dredge out the beaches there a little bit, and that's where you get exposure to some of the grand or the the, the gravel bars. And I think that's where you get some of the cooler rocks that you get to go out and check out. So if it's low tide, you get to go out. And um, I've been trying to kind of hunt around for some agate or some jade or some other kind of cool uh, like jasper stones that might be uh, might be popped up in the rocks out there. You can also find like sand dollars and uh, and little bones and stuff. And I'm trying to look around for like little cool bits of metal and um, what is it like uh, – fishing like crabbing gear and bobbers and stuff that i can find out there there's no real buoys or anything cool like that that i've uh, been able to pull up so i was hoping to kind of find i don't know some some cool beach comber thing but uh, but in addition to that i've also brought out the uh, the metal detector i've got this uh, cool metal detector i picked it up at a yard sale i think my family did they picked it up at a yard sale and that's kind of been bequeathed to me over the years but uh, i've got this this metal detector and uh, it's kind of fun you know you kind of throw uh, headphones into it so it doesn't you know bramp, 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 makes these kind of weird loud sounds and stuff as it detects the metal but I'm going down to some of these uh, beach access spots and then uh, kind of combing around with this uh, this metal detector. It's been kind of fun. It's cool. I, don't, I haven't really found a lot of stuff yet, but every once in a while kind of binks or bonks. And most of the time it's like a beer cap or something like that. So pretty cool to be out metal detecting in January, you know. But the rock counting stuff has been pretty fun. Kind of finding some cool stuff. You, know, you just got to... Gravel bar, kind of dig down into some stuff, or out where a stream kind of uh, flows into the ocean and stuff. Those areas where there's kind of that uh, that little bit of a change, you, you get some uh, some erosion there, and it starts to, I guess, I guess it kind of draws down those rocks down that um, that creek channel, and that's where you kind of see some of that like quartz or jasper or or agate uh, kind of washed up on the beach there in uh, some of those spots, and then those gravel bars as it kind of washes out and then gets kind of churned back up onto the beach by the uh, the movement of the ocean. But it's cool. Yeah, heading out to the coast has been fun, and uh, I'll be out here for a couple of days. And then uh, I'm going to try and head south after this and then get down into maybe uh, some of the Redwood area. I don't know if I'll make it that far, but uh, I'm kind of trying to check out a good bit of the, the 101 section and uh, uh, in the future, too. It's also been having me think about... Uh, traveling north too i've been down like the california 101 section uh by quite a bit but i haven't i think ever really gone up uh the the section of the 101 highway along the washington coastline i don't think i've ever been there uh, at all like on that western section of washington most like the i-5 stuff i've traveled up in washington uh from there like up to like olympus aberdeen tacoma seattle up through there but i don't think i've ever really cut off to the coast side from there maybe like a little bit just north of astoria once but uh, what is that like long beach something like that over there i think it's a lot of remote sections of uh, of washington coast up there that i think it'd be kind of cool to check out i don't even think they have the uh, the number of little small uh sort of gutted out 
coastal towns that we have in Oregon. You know, we have like Port Orford, we have Bannon, Coos Bay, Reedsport, Florence, Newport, yeah, you know, all those little towns and stuff. You kind of poke around up through the the whole stretch of the coastline there. It's like they're they're fine towns, but man, there's also like some some. They're not really that filled out, you know. You think that the that all of those towns would have maybe kind of uh, filled into a population of fifth, eh, like fifteen to twenty thousand in sort of a more full and solid way. But really, up until even pretty recently, a lot of those towns out on the the coastal section of Oregon, like are uh, are still I don't know, pretty underdeveloped. I'm, which I, I got a test for that even today. You know, kind of being out here and driving around and looking at uh, at some of the stuff that's going out on the coast. It's like you know what what's between Bandon and Gold Beach. Or what's even Gold Beach, you know? But um, you know, a whole section of like uh, Port Orford and Bandon and uh, and like some of those other things. It's they're cool, it's fine, but yeah, they're still like just pretty small little towns and stuff. So I always would have thought those would have like uh, filled in to be big vacation spots or you know big spots in some way. But it's all pretty low key, and I think even more low key up in Washington. So I wanted to check out this uh, this packing list. I was uh, I was talking about a packing list on one of the last ones. And uh, that was sort of like some of the gear stuff, some of the camera stuff. Uh, that's sort of like generally like what I get into. Um, I should get into it more more specifically, but I'll kind of build on it over time as uh, I start talking about more pieces. This one I was going to talk about sort of dealing with the cold, the winter stuff, and uh, and then also how to sort of adapt to the wet weather and cold weather with a, a layering system. And uh, I was kind of picking this up uh, by some of the the outdoor stuff that I follow of, uh, you know, like what, what gear should you have? How should you use that gear? How should you stay warm? And, and what would that be? So I was going to talk about that a little bit, but I was looking at this, uh, uh, like lower body, uh, kit for stuff that you would need. And so it sort of goes from like the inside layer to the outside layer of what you'd want. And this is probably like, um, everything is sort of, sort of the way I see it. So it's more than, uh, than just what I would use like out here in sort of temperate rain over here on the, the Oregon coast during the winter, but even like out in the mountains and stuff, I kind of think about the same series of things. So, uh, for the lower body, I think it would be uh, like a synthetic marine synthetic or a Merino blend layer. And uh, I really like the Merino blend layers for the base layers. And that's what I've been trying to use is, uh, is like a Merino blend base layer for the lower body. And then merino bend blend uh, like t-shirt for the upper body as uh, sort of the beginning, and then um, kind of stick with the lower body. Uh, we'd have uh, let's see, I try and do like uh, I have this like quick dry nylon North Face pair of pants that I have, but uh, they're just a little bit lighter than like some of the stuff that I'd want to bring for like deeper winter travel stuff. And this is sort of where like a layering system comes into play, where instead of just wearing uh, like one single layer, you kind of want to like stack these up so that you get the the effect of it. Uh, so you get to either stay warm or stay dry or stay windproof against the elements that you're trying to kind of protect from. But uh, yeah, I think like the a quick dry uh, like field pant layer is great, and that's uh, that's great for kind of like um, I guess like I don't know river or like sort of warmer weather. Sometimes wet, sometimes probably staying dry, or you're planning on uh, drying out in the heat pretty quick kind of environments. Um, but I try and also have like a, a lightly insulated um, pair of pants. It'd be cool if they were like a soft shell uh, pair of pants that were that also had like the the micro fleece internal liner. But these are just kind of like snow pants that have uh, like an internal liner, and those were pretty well. I only I really kind of bring those for like snow trips and stuff. A lot of the time for the the temperate weather stuff. If I'm at, if I'm working out of the truck, I have the merino base layer, and then I'm able to to throw over like a, a Carhartt. Um, double duck work pant and that's what I wear a lot of the time when I'm working out of the truck 
So if I have uh, the truck with me and I'm just kind of like jumping out of the truck uh, pretty frequently going out just a little bit of a ways and then coming right back to the truck where I have like heat and I have other dry gear and stuff. Then I, I use those, uh, those double duck, uh, Carhartt pants a lot. Those have been great. And they're really tough. They're really well insulated. They're really windproof and, uh, they handle the, the way the rain and the, the weather pretty well. But when I'm out backpacking or when I'm out, uh, kind of trying to camp for a longer period of time, they get kind of difficult and they're also kind of difficult to pack around and stuff too. Sometimes they're a nice convenience to have. And so I'll, I'll normally try and bring them with me if I'm going to be, uh, be working out of the car where I have the luxury of bringing some more weight. But, uh, but a lot of the time, um, I'm trying to bring something that's not cotton based. And the problem is, is, uh, is if it's really cold or even like just uh, really significantly wet, those, uh, those jeans like they just they just absorb a lot of water and they stay cold and they stay wet and it's really hard to get them dried out so uh so if i'm kind of around the vehicle and stuff i can i can kind of use those at the right time and then switch in and out of them um when i need to but uh but if i'm trying to like use a layering system for a few days at a time while i'm out then i kind of try and stay away from cotton-based things even if they're like heavy and solid and windproof and i try and layer up um, different like nylon or polyester or synthetic materials. So like I was saying, I have like, um, Merino base layer, uh, leggings. And then I have, uh, I have like a quick dry, uh, nylon pair of pants. And then over that I can wear, I can throw like another, uh, kind of like rain shell or like windproof shell pair of pants. And that really seems to help uh, great. Even like wet weather, windy stuff like over on the coast, I was able to stay real warm and windproof over there and dealing with a lot of the wet weather and rain, I was able to stay in uh, in really good shape. Um, and so that was nice, uh, like having that, that full system. When I was working at, at the RV place, uh, I was outside all the time and uh, I definitely noticed the wear of having the, uh, the Carhartts on and uh, just kind of dealing with rain after a long time. So it was great in work boots and Carhartts and stuff, kind of moving around for just a couple hours a day. Uh, you can kind of do that for a couple hours a day, but when you're really going to be out for 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours before you get back in the tent, it's kind of difficult to to really run uh, cotton in the water and cold like that for that long. Most of the time, though, really, I'm in the car or like I'm kind of near a place where I'm I'm really kind of trying to not expose myself to the point where you know I'm soaked to the bone. Um, so a lot of the time, those car hearts were great for uh, for a lot of like winter activity stuff. Uh, you know, just for like most days that you're kind of out or getting a little dirty or something or going on like a light hike, they work fine. But uh, if you really like uh, changing your your body temperature around a lot, then uh, then you might sweat in them, and that's uh, sort of a downside if it's really cold. But uh, for a lot of kind of lighter stuff. Uh, or a lot of like kind of like easier woodsman stuff where I need a little bit of the abrasion resistance that 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 uh, tough lining has, then they work great for uh, a lot of the wintertime stuff that I've got. But for lighter kind of summer hiking stuff, I really try and go with uh, uh, like nylon or something that's uh, that's like a synthetic that'll dry out really fast. Um, I have this pair of Orvis shorts that are great now. They're they're kind of like uh, they're like cargo shorts, but they're uh, they're kind of made out of a, a swimming trunk material, like kind of this nylon sort of soft shell material that, uh, that dries out really fast. And in addition to that, yeah, I picked up this, um, this pair of, uh, North face paramount pants, these like hiking pants. They've got kind of a light pocket liner. So they're probably good for spring, summer, and early fall, uh, kind of stuff. But man, yeah, they'd be great pants for, for like spring and like early summer, cool weather, uh, camping stuff or camping, hiking stuff. But yeah, the, the way that they, uh, that they're kind of built, I think, uh, uh, yeah, they're super useful. I've also got like this. Uh, the, I picked up some underwear uh, or some uh, some Under Armour 
um, like uh, leggings and underwear, and uh, those have helped a lot too. Those are like um, like polyester though, and I don't really prefer the polyester uh, or like synthetic blend stuff to the way that I like the the wool stuff. And so like I've been trying to pick up wool stuff from First Light. I like uh, my my wool. Uh, base layer hoodie that's been fantastic and I, I try and put that on like all the time it's kind of quick to come off in warmer weather but man on like colder days it's like a great one to have as the base layer and great in the sleeping bag too you know you just keep that on like 24 hours a day and uh, just kind of kind of roll into the next the next day's outfit or you know relayer up and stuff but uh, that wool has been great um, but I'm kind of trying to stay away from like the Under Armour synthetic stuff. But the Under Armour um, pants that I picked up are like are great. They're like a cool pair of um, uh, like I don't know, just like nylon sort of soft shell material uh, cargo pants that uh, I picked up at a really inexpensive price. And uh, a lot of times, like if you go to REI or something, you're looking at like eighty or ninety bucks, like those Paramount pants I was talking about, or whatever um, uh, Patagonia option, or what is it like cool or. Uh, what is, I don't know. I can't remember even the other pair of pants, but uh, I don't know. There's a few different options I was looking at, including like first lights and stuff too. And uh, there's a few of those that I'm interested in, but maybe probably not yet. I'm not really dealing with any of the heavy snow stuff like uh, like some of those uh, like snow pants are, are getting you geared up for. Um, but other stuff on the list, breathable rain shell pants. That's uh, that's one that is always super useful, the, the breathable rain shell. And uh, um Man, man, like uh, Gore-Tex is probably what I use a lot. There's also a whole bunch of treated nylon now or like certain types of nylon that are um, specifically like really breathable for moisture. Uh, so you don't get like that kind of damp um, sort of greenhouse effect where you get the condensation starting to, to, to load up. And that's sort of the difficulty you get even with like rain ponchos and stuff is you start to like sweat on the inside and it's not able to breathe out. Um, so that I don't know, can actually cause, cause some problems. But if you have like a, a breathable set of nylon or uh, nylon Gore-Tex pants, you're able to kind of stay windproof and rainproof out there. And mine work okay. I don't really think they're rainproof, actually, you know. I think they're just kind of nylon. So that's kind of how it goes. For upper body, merino t-shirt, like I was saying, I wear that all the time. Merino, uh, like long-sleeved hoodie base layer. I've been wearing that all the time. That's like that first light layer that I was talking about, that hoodie. Fantastic. Use that all the time. Um, a soft shell jacket. I keep all this stuff in like a duffel bag. I keep all these layers in there and then I kind of try and pull them out and cycle through them as I need them. Or they'll be in a, like a compression sack in my backpack if I'm doing um, like a backpacking trip and I have everything on my backpack. Or I'll keep a, a, a one of the layers in my camera bag on the side if I'm carrying that too. That was often how I do it. Like when I was working is I'd uh, have like kind of like, you know, my kit, my kind of comfortable operating kit. And then I'd have one of my layers is sort of a hot swap layer. You know, I take off the puffy layer and put it in the camera bag um, and then kind of keep it there for a while. If I was kind of moving and then when I'd stop and start to cool down before I did that or before I got cold, I'd throw the puffy layer back on and then zip that up underneath my Gore-Tex layer so that it kind of insulates me and keeps that heat in and stuff. And, uh, and that worked out as a pretty good system, just kind of hot swapping layers through the day. But, uh, but yeah, having that um, soft shell layer is cool. Then having a synthetic or a, uh, uh, a down puffy jacket is is really cool. I think that's helped me a ton. Uh, and it's super, super great to have that insulation. But it really works best when it's paired with that shell layer. So you get like kind of that windproof, rainproof layer that kind of helps hold in all the heat that you get to keep by that uh, that kind of dense, puffy down layer. 
uh, in between the wool that you have too. So you have the wool working for you. You have the puffy down insulating you. And then you have that Gore-Tex shell layer on the outside as like a windproof stop. And it's also able to hold in a lot of that heat from the puffy layers on the inside too. And that has helped me out a ton. I've been able to, to stay pretty comfortable in most, uh, most kind of temperate climates, really like none of it's below 20 degrees. It's probably like 25 degrees. And even at 25, I'm trying to move around pretty, pretty actively. I've got like wool socks on at that temp. I'm definitely probably if I'm slowed down, which is really how it is with photography stuff a lot. Like I'm trying to use hot hands, anything below like 42, you know, like, like the low forties and like, I'm already starting to get pretty cold. Like my hands, if they're exposed are pretty cold and achy and stuff. And so, um, so yeah, I have like a, a pack of those, you know, like one of those bigger bulk packs of hot hands that I try and, uh, try and run and I'll open up two of those, put them in my pockets and you got to shake them up a little bit first so that, uh, they're activated but having those and running those to get your hands hot so that they're kind of uh, loosened up and flexible when you're using the camera, hitting the buttons, taking pictures and stuff, especially in the rain or in like uh, that cold rain when the water is like cold and icy on your hands and stuff, man, too much. It can be too much. And yeah, those cold temperatures can really uh, can wipe me out pretty quick. So yeah, layering up with uh, some of the stuff that I was talking about seems to help out pretty good. So hands and head, um, uh, I got my mask with me all the time. That's normally in the truck, but I've also got like a gator around my neck a lot or, you know, one of those buffs. And so I know they say those almost do nothing. I mean, uh, you know, surprise, but I have one of those uh, gators around my neck all the time. And at least for like cold weather stuff, instead of a scarf, it works really well to kind of insulate, uh, insulate that gap of, uh, of my head to my neck there as it kind of goes down into my jacket. So that opening there, it really helps to have even just like a light piece of insulation kind of covering from your shirt to your neck so that you kind of have that uh, that section covered and sort of uh, protected from uh, losing heat or escaping heat from uh, the vent there. But it's also nice to kind of open up too when you start to get too hot. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I try and bring like a, a, a beanie cap with me all the time so that I can kind of pull my hair back out of the way and then have my head up underneath it for the cold weather stuff. And then I also have a baseball cap for like the sunny weather stuff and especially like for midday stuff. I noticed the baseball cap having that, that, uh, that duck bill for shade really helps out, uh, for a lot of the stuff that I'm trying to do or, you know, kind of for visualizing stuff and looking around and, and looking out and stuff. Um, so I try and have, um, have one of those duck build, um, build hats with me and that, that helps out with a lot of the, the photo stuff. I have to flip it around a lot though. You know, you go down to the camera and you always kind of like bonk the bill of the hat to the top of the piece of the camera there and stuff. It happens a lot, but, uh, I don't know. I, I bring around a pair of sunglasses sometimes when I'm backpack and I do it, but really sometimes not. I try and uh, bring like polarized sunglasses so I can use them if I'm fishing or I can use them to, like look in the water and stuff. And really, I think they just have like a better, uh, a better way of working the light and working like the, the tone of the light and stuff that you're looking at. So I try and bring like some, some polarized ones and those are pretty cheap. You can pick them up at, at Bymar. You can pick up like a, a fishing pair of polarized shades for, for like 10 bucks, 15 bucks or something like that. And, um, I don't know if you're, if you're out by yourself, you know, like the fashion stuff isn't, uh, isn't too important. So cheap sunglasses work pretty good. Um, I try and bring like a wool beanie. That's one of them I bring, but a lot of the time it's, a, it's like this cotton North face or this, uh, cotton knit, uh, Patagonia one with some fun colors and stuff. And that's, uh, normally just in like the pocket of my, of my Gore-Tex rain jacket. And then, uh, just kind of, if I'm wearing it, I pop it out, throw it on the head and then, uh, pull up the hood and stuff. It works pretty good. I also bring some gloves with me. I have like leather gloves in the truck and that's like kind of for more work stuff. But I've also been trying to use some like, um, 
some like fingerless mittens or not mittens, right? Like they're, they're fingerless gloves, they're fingerless wool gloves that are kind of like army style. And then like you can put that into a glove and be warm. But I like these fingerless ones um, so that I can use the tips of my fingers. One to like do digital stuff with the computer. I know like a lot of gloves now have those digital finger tips, but those don't really seem to work as well for me to do a lot of more intricate phone stuff. And then really specifically to um, to hitting buttons on the camera and like hitting the shutter and rolling dials and stuff. I like kind of that that tactical or the the fine tuned sensation of uh, the the tactical aspect of working with the camera. And I'm not really able to feel that as much with the gloves when they're on and they're thicker. So I like these fingerless ones where I can kind of reach out and uh, touch the the pieces of the camera, make those adjustments, turn the knobs and stuff, and then. Uh, make sure that I feel the turns that I'm doing. And I'm able to keep my hands pretty warm. These wool ones work pretty good. Again, like First Light has these for like something like 30 bucks or something like that. They're a little bit better made, but you can get a cheap pair of the like U.S. military surplus fingerless wool gloves. Those are like old school black or army green thick kind of itchy wool ones. Uh, the First Light ones are, I think, a little bit more smoothly manufactured, and then I'm sure there's a bunch of other manufacturers that make something, uh, something similar as to uh, as to some fingerless gloves. Even if you just take a, you know, an okay pair of pair of knit gloves you find and, and whack the fingers, I'm sure you can you can get something like that for for really almost nothing. And, and for some of the the winter stuff that I'm doing, it seems to really help a lot to have uh, to have those um, the that bit of warmth around the palm of your hands. I've been also trying to throw in uh, sometimes as a little trick. I try and like slip in that hot hands piece into the glove there right at the palm. Or if I'm uh, doing something, I try and put it on the back of my hand too um, so that I get some heat like onto the back of my hand. If you have mittens on, it's cool because you can throw it all the way down a little deeper onto the tops of your fingers, which is what I really notice when it's really cold out. Trying to get the hot hands piece onto the joints of your fingers and your knuckles and stuff is where you really need it. Sometimes you can just get your, your palm sweaty, but what you have is like these kind of achy bits of, uh, of, you know, little icicles at the ends of your thumbs and pinkies and stuff. So it's kind of cool to, to get the hot hand down there at the end of the, the mitten to get the warmth. And, uh, that's sort of the, the best way that I've seen to kind of do that. But that's kind of the, the layer system for a lot of the stuff that I'm uh, trying to bring out. So yeah, like a lot of wool, a lot of down and, uh, some Gore-Tex stuff on the top. And I've got a Marmot, uh, a Marmot Gore-Tex rain jacket right now that rain shell that i have i really like it it's worked out really well some of the the tape on the inside is starting to come up after about six years or something that i've had it had this jacket i have like another marmot rain shell before that but i'm trying to go through with some super glue and like tag that uh that little bit of the the waterproofing tape on the inside i'm trying to like tack that back down that'll last for a period of time and it's been a great jacket but i think i'm going to try and replace that jacket here pretty soon too or just get like a second one to kind of run in tandem with it so i can uh, take some of the pressure off of that one but uh but yeah like i re-waterproofed it it's working great as that goes but i also was thinking man i want to get like another one the the arcteryx ones are pretty cool i'm looking at those as a a waterproof cortex shell i really like those arcteryx ones those are expensive though but man they're cool and i'm also looking at a uh at a first light seek jacket i think it's like a stormproof seek jacket this uh i think it's nylon and maybe not gore-tex you guys have to check that out too but uh seems like it's a pretty pretty high-end waterproof rain jacket it's sort of in the uh the outdoors stylings that i'm i'm looking at but uh but yeah it's kind of cool doing some wet weather stuff doing some uh some camping stuff or you know kind of camping out in the truck and being pretty cold doing some rock hounding doing some traveling and uh yeah trying to do some winter photo stuff some rain stuff is sort of what i'm trying to focus on a bit you know rain wind 
getting some video, getting some photo, getting some, uh, I'm trying to kind of capture that kind of mistiness look. And, uh, some of the coast is good for it, but really it's cool. Like some of these, uh, these mountain Canyon draws as the fog starts to lift. I think that's kind of cool too, where you get sort of this, this stormy mix of, uh, of kind of like this low lying cloud kind of lifting off as, uh, as it's, you know, sort of the wet weather on the, uh, the coastal climate. But it's been fun uh, kind of doing this stuff, and it's a little different than January's I've had in the past. So appreciate you guys checking out this episode of the podcast and uh, listening in on some of the stuff I'm doing. I got some black and white photos coming up on the website. You've probably seen like another post this week on the blog. I think I've got one going up with some of the black and whites that I've been putting out. But um, as it goes, I don't know. They've been going pretty good. I like those. I'm trying to put together an ebook of all these black and whites too. Some of the ones specific, I guess, from the high desert that I'm trying to put together. But yeah, I've got some stuff from some of the cabin trips I've done this year. Some previews of the the wallpaper or of a wallpaper I'm going to try and put out this summer. Um, but yeah, some beautiful stuff out from, uh, from Eastern Oregon on uh, some of these sort of partly cloudy days out there in the uh, grassland plains before it kind of dips into the, the, the great basin sagebrush desert stuff that you get a little bit further South in Oregon. Um, some cool stuff from the Alvord, uh, as always. Some cool sagebrush, high desert stuff that I'm uh, trying to take a picture of. And I think uh, I'm trying to get into it a little deeper on the, the screencast stuff that I'm doing, where I'm trying to talk uh, a bit more specific about the photo adjustments that I make to pull out the highlights or the shadows, or really trying trying to, to talk about how I'm building the contrast and sharpness in these black and whites and uh, sort of some of the details I'm trying to bring up and sort of some of the distraction stuff I'm trying to trying to roll off or fade away or, or mitigate a bit so it's uh it's kind of fun going through this black and white stuff if you've uh, been checking it out on instagram or checking it out on my website let me know shoot me a comment either on instagram on the photo or you can shoot to uh billynewmanphoto.com go to the uh, contact page or about page and, uh, and you can get in touch with me there by shooting me an email um, you can also find other ways to, to email me or the links to my social media profiles where you can get in touch with me i figure it's uh it's all over the place, and uh, you'll probably see it in one of these locations. But somewhere in the show notes of this podcast is probably a way to get a hold of me. You can also go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to uh, support this podcast, similar to Patreon. It's a value for value model if you feel like you've gotten some value or some information about uh, some of the outdoors photo stuff I've been talking about. Feel free to uh, send that over uh, and check out some of the options you have for supporting uh, the production of the work at either patreon.com forward slash Billy Newman photo, or you can go to Billy Newman photo.com forward slash support to check out the tiers available, the subscriptions available, or to just submit uh, any amount of a donation. And it's always uh, really greatly appreciated. Gosh, it's cool. It uh, helps me uh, get out here and produce some of the stuff that I'm uh, putting together out on the road, doing some travel for the stuff. So Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I'll talk to you guys all again soon. Bye.